for that today. Rashida, she might as well eat because uh, <laughs> whatever she's trying ain't going to work. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Did we collect the offering? Okay, cool. Okay, all righty. That's okay. Well, we're going to get started, y'all. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we just honor you, Lord. We lift you up and we bless you. And, Lord, we thank you for this time of in your word. Lord, we ask you to enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So, Lord, you said that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter into that perfect day. So, Lord, we ask you to reveal, unwrap your word to us, Father. Take us deeper into your kingdom. Enlighten us, Lord. Help us to get to know you in a new and a better way. And, Satan, I break your power. I I bind distraction. I take authority over this atmosphere. And I thank you, Lord, for atmosphere that will receive the word with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So anyway, we're going to talk about the God of restoration today. Amen. Praise God. And so this is our Amos 9:13 season. And God is a God of restoration. It was funny. I, I always pray and I said, well, Lord, what can I say when it's my time? And so actually I was talking to my son Daniel and we were talking about something. And I told him, I said, well, you know, Daniel, God is a God of restoration. And when I said that to him, I was like, ah, that's my message. So then I was like, okay, I got to have something else to say about it. But anyway, so yeah, God is a God of restoration. And so um, let's start with Acts. Uh, if you would turn to Acts chapter 3. And there was a scripture. I love it when Tiffany said, yeah, read your Bible. You might find something you ain't never seen before. And that happened to me, that happens to me quite often. So I'm going to read to you. This will be our foundation scripture. We're talking about the God of restoration. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. And I just want to give you a couple scriptures. And it's 19. I'm going to read 19 through 21. It says, okay, so this is. Acts chapter 3, 19 through 21, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And when I looked that up, that time of refreshment, it also means restore. So the times of restoration will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, for he must. Okay, do I want to keep going? Oh, yeah. For he must remain in heaven until the time of your final restoration of all things. Okay, so this is what the Lord let me know. When you are born again and when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that sets us all on the path to restoration. And so what the what the writer was saying here is when you're saved, that's your time of refreshment. And you are refreshed until Jesus comes back and we have our final restoration because God is a God of restoration. God's original plans and purposes goes into effect in our lives. He puts us on the road to restoration. What's restoration? Restoration means returning something to a to its former owner, place, condition. It also means also to refurbish refurbish and reinstate. You know, when we're born again, we are reconciled back to the Father because of the blood of Jesus. We are no longer sinners because Jesus paid the price for us to be washed afresh and anew when we're born again. Restoration also runs along with redemption. Redemption means to be redeemed, to gain or gain possession of something in exchange for a payment. And see, the Father got us back. The penalty was paid with Jesus' life and his sinless blood. Jesus paid it all, and we were reconciled back to the Father. Recovery goes with restoration. What does it mean to recover? A return to a normal state of health, mind, and strength. The process of regaining possessions or control of something that was stolen or lost. See, we lost a lot in the garden with Adam and Eve, and I don't have time to go over that, but you can read it. God gave them dominion. They were healthy. They were going to live forever. 
And see, we lost a lot. But when we got born again, we got back on that road to restoration. Because, see, when we're born again, now we'll live forever. Like it was like it was the way Adam and Eve. When we leave this body, our our flesh will be here, but our inner man, he'll live forever. That's why it's called being born again. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about restoration. Okay, let's turn to Psalms twenty three. And I think I'm going to read, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. I like the way it was worded. Psalms 23. Okay, I'm going to read the whole, I'm going to read the whole Psalm. And they say, I know it already. I do too, but I'm going to read it again. (laughs) Psalms 23, we're going to read it in the Amplified Version. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. To feed to God and to shield me. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still and the quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul. In parentheses it says life. So in other words he restores my life. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod to protect and your staff to guide. They comfort and console me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever throughout all my days in the house, and in the presence of the Lord. And so the one thing that uh, the Lord showed me when I was reading Psalms 23, we all read it, but David said, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. And I said, how did he know that revelation? How did he know that? What was it about God that he revealed himself to David? And so I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let me just go on with my notes. It says David knew that God was a restorer. He got a revelation of who God really was when he was in the pasture tending to his father's sheep. When David was out worshiping and writing songs, God was revealing himself to David. God was showing David the way you take care of these sheep, feeding, protecting them and guiding them is what I do for you. However, God revealed even more. I can restore your soul, David. I can restore your mind, your will, and your emotions. I am the Prince of Peace. I will give you the peace and confidence that will surpass all your human understanding. The peace I will give you will make you fearless. And these are the things that the Lord was revealing to David when he was out being obedient, taking care of those sheep. And see, Psalms 23, I know a lot of people use it at at funerals, but scholars said that this Psalms 23 was a spontaneous praise. This is something that bubbled up on the out, on the inside of him. So he was, this was a praise. The Bible says that it was a heavenward praise. So David was out tending the sheep and all of a sudden he said, Ooh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. And if you prayed in tongues, you probably, you know how to, I just see him, you know, Pentecostal David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear because God is with me. You know, his shepherd, his rod and his staff, they protect me. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So it was almost like a song of the Lord. And this bubbled up outside of David. God revealed himself to him as a restorer. And so let's go on to Psalms 51. So we're going to talk a lot about David today because he's a man after God's own heart. Psalms 51. And I'm going to read 1 through 17. As soon as I find my page. 798. Okay. 1 through 17 I'm going to read. And this is a prayer of repentance. David was praying. He had messed up. 
in any way. David went to God. He didn't when he sinned. He had such a relationship with God, his father. He didn't run away from God. He ran to him. And so Psalms 51, David says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. And even in his prayer of repentance, he knew who God was. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. I mean, I ain't holding nothing back, Lord. I screwed up, I messed up, and I know you know it. And my sin is always before me, Lord. I am not in denial. But against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That I might be found, that you might, okay, let's start over. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. In other words, God, I know who you are, and you are a God of truth and justice. So I'm being truthful with you, Lord. And in the hidden parts, you will make me to know wisdom. He said, Lord, purge me with the hyssop, and I shall be clean. I don't like this feeling of separation from you, Father. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. I don't want to hear condemnation and guilt and shame. Lord, make me to hear joy and gladness. And you pray this when you screw up. You don't have to, when you repent of your sins and and you are godly sorry, not sorry you got caught, ask the Lord, help me to hear joy and gladness. I don't have to walk in condemnation and shame because of my missteps, mess ups, and the snare that I stepped into knowingly or, or unknowingly. Amen. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. And this is what I love. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Because see, God, David, you can get addicted to the presence of the Lord. That feeling that overcomes when you are, when you know that you have an audience with the king. It's nothing like it. Try it. You can get addicted to it. And I love it. David said, don't cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. See, David knew that was priceless. Then uh, David went on to say, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I would teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. He said, Lord, deliver me from the blood, uh, from the guilt of bloodshed, O oh God. Because you remember this is, this Psalms 51 is after the prophet Nathan came to him and exposed his sin of killing Uriah, Uriah of Bathsheba's husband. And so David said, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O oh God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you did not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. So you don't want me to bring you no lamb or no goat. It says you do not delight in burnt offerings. But the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. So he said, Lord, I'm coming to you because I want your presence again. I want to know that I have that secret audience with you, Jesus. I'm not being religious. I'm not bringing you a a offering, a burnt offering that doesn't mean anything. I'm bringing you myself. I am the sacrifice. I am guilty. Have mercy on me, Father. And I love this relationship that, that David had with the Lord. It says when David sinned with Bathsheba and the prophet Nathan told him, told David his sins, David didn't run from God. David ran to God, the only God and Savior that could fully forgive, heal, and restore him. When he said, restore the joy of my, of my salvation, that's when you have that, you know, when you're first saved and you're newly saved and everything is new, you are, I call it raw. You'll tell everybody about Jesus. You, you're unafraid. You want everybody to get saved. You want everybody to pray in tongues. And then see, that's when the family labels you as being in a cult because you are so different. But see, that's the joy of your salvation. You have something that's so precious, you want everybody to have it. And you, and it's easy, you know, like they always say, when people are newly saved, it's easy for them to believe for a miracle. Because they, they, 
everything is opened up to them. Everything is new. It's like, who is this God? If he can save a wretch like me and make me new, change my name, change my reputation, change my friends. As Pastor Barb said, put you in the Holy Ghost protection. You know, I remember when I used to pray not to see people from my past. And the Lord hid me away. So, but now if I see him, I'm a force to be reckoned with because I got, I'm packing. I got Jesus to give you. That girl that you knew, she dead. But I can tell you who I am now and what I got going for me now. So, but God knows what he's doing. See, I know when Howard and I first got saved, you know, we had some couples that we used to hang out with. And the one couple, they were living together. And I remember one of our first prayers, we prayed for, um, I won't say their names, we prayed for them two to get married. They got married. And then there was another couple Howard used to work with, and we used to hang out with him and his wife. We prayed for them to get saved. And I remember they got saved. They came to Brother Fellowship for a little while. And then I remember um, the other couple, they got, you know, they, they got married. And so, but, you know, when you're first saved, you got the, because they said, uh, you know, it's um, one of my friends I used to hang out with. He said, you and Howard, y'all, y'all saved. He said, y'all different. You know, people go to church, but y'all saved. And see, that's the joy of your salvation. And if you don't have that, it can be restored back to you again. You know, we should never, like uh, like I think Norval said, he don't have no blue Mondays. See, we shouldn't have no blue Mondays. It's always the day that the Lord has made. It's always a day. It's, it's always a good day for a miracle, whatever the miracle, salvation, a financial miracle. It's always the day. Let the joy of your salvation, let that run your life. Not your problems, not what looks impossible, but let the joy of your salvation run your life. Because why? God is a restorer. And when our fire goes out, get back in your word. Get in your worship. Pray in tongues. Let that fire, you know, that's why Jeremiah said it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. See, I, I never really understood that. But see, I know now because God is a restorer. And see, when the light goes out, he don't condemn us for not praying like we should, not getting our words. He just says, come back to me. Come back to the Father's house. I'll restore you. Amen. Amen. So remember, he is a God of restoration. Okay, so now we're going to use David again. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you an example of recovery and restoration. So let's turn to 1 Samuel 30. And this is one of my, one of my favorite. I, all of us my favorite. So if y'all know y'all hear me say that all the time, but different scriptures work with me in different portions of my life. <laughs> I've been through stuff where I needed the Shumanite woman. You know, I've been through stuff where I needed David and Ziklag. You know, so, I mean, that's what the Bible is for. You know, so I can relate to all of them. Okay, so let me find it. Now, it's bad when you can't find it on your phone. Where is 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel. Oh, there it is. Okay. First, because I want to read it out the message. I think. Yeah, out the message. And I have one of the little message Bibles, but them words too little. So anyway, <laughs> First Samuel and then 30. So I got to go on my phone. So anyway, so I'm going to start. 1 Samuel 30. And then I'm going to read down to verse number 8. And it says, Now it happened when David and his men came home to Ziklag. On the third day, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid on, on Negev, the south of the south country, and on Ziklag. Oh, you know why this is looking funny? Because I want to do the, I want the message. I'm still in the Amplified. Okay, I'm going to start over. Three days later, David and his men arrived in Ziklag. The Amalekites had raided the Negev of Ziklag. They tore Ziklag to pieces, and they burned it down. They captured all the women, young and old. They didn't kill anyone, but drove them like a herd of cattle. But remember, David don't know they didn't kill nobody. By the time David and his men entered the village, it was burned to the ground, and their wives, sons, and daughters were all taken prisoner. And see, that's what the devil likes to do. He, make you, he wants to make it look like your situation is hopeless. See, they didn't kill nobody, but it didn't look like that. You walk into a city and all you see is smoke and ain't nobody there. You see, that's the, that's the masked magician over Satan, but he's a liar. David and his men burst out into loud wails. They wept and wept until they were exhausted with weeping. David's two wives, Ahinoam 
and Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel, had been taken prisoner along with the rest. And suddenly David was in, and suddenly David was even worse trouble, was in even worse trouble. There was talk among the men, bitter over the loss of their families of stoning him. And okay, so where do I want to pick up at? Okay, I'll keep on going. It says, David strengthened himself with trust in his God. He ordered Aviathar to Pete, the priest, son of Elimelech, Ahimelech, to bring me the ephod so I can consult God. And Aviathar brought it to David. Okay, so we're talking about Ziklag, where it looks, and this is a story of restoration and recovery, where it looked like David had lost everything. And so this is what you can do. What, what David did is what we can do to get on that road to restoration. It says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. And what did that look like? What did that look like? Because it's easy for us to read it, but what what does that mean? First thing he did was meditation. Because you got to remember, the Bible says that this man was weeping and weeping. Their hearts had been cut out. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. So when he, first thing David started doing was meditating. Because remember, David has lost himself he'd been out fighting and and when they was out at ziklag they was with some folks they shouldn't have been with and then people told him you know is that david the one who you know saul killed his thousand and david killed ten thousands i don't want to go to war with them because david be done got in war and realized we his enemies and turned on us send him home so david was they was like scavengers they had running from saul forgot who they were and so anyway so the first thing david did he meditated and he started going over the, the victories of keeping his dad's sheep safe. He started recalling his conversation that, that he had with King Saul when he told David, you weren't able to fight Goliath. But David told King Saul, when a lion and a bear took a lamb out of the flock, I ran after it and then I hid it and I took the lamb out of its mouth. And when it came after me, I caught it by its beard, and then I hid it, and I killed it. David's servant, your servant, has killed both lion and the bear, and Goliath will be just like one of them. And these are the the victories. He started strengthening himself in the Lord. So as Popeye started eating his spinach, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Then he also recalled his conversation with Goliath. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin? But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have disrespected. This day, Goliath, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'm going to hit you and I'm going to take your head off and I'm going to give your body to the birds and the wild beasts to eat. Then everyone will know. Then everyone will know that that it was the Lord's battle and that he has delivered you into my hands. So he started meditating and going over the things where he had victory, where God came through for him, where God didn't leave him out there by himself. And then he pulled out his weapon of mass destruction. He pulled out his harp. Remember, David played the harp. The Bible said he was a skillful player because, you know, he used to play for Saul when the demons was tormenting him. So David wretched back for his weapon of mass destruction. He got his songs out. He got that harp out. And he started worshiping God. And he said, Lord, I'm in anguish. And if worshiping got Saul straight, I know I can get myself together. He was strengthening himself in the Lord. He started playing, singing, and worshiping God. David started singing some of the lines from Psalms 18. But really, this song really came out of Second Samuel 22, and I'm going to read that to you. And this is one of the songs that David started. We talk about strengthening yourself in the Lord. We're talking about being in a hard place when it looks like the devil has stripped your white off your teeth and it looked like you can't recover from it. You can. Okay, so we're going to go to Second Samuel because I just want to show you one of the songs that I think David used to strengthen himself. And if he didn't, he should have. <laughs> but whatever he's saying, it worked. Okay. 
Let's see. Second Samuel 22. Let me see. I want to read verse one through 20. And this is one. This says, then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. And on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, let me see, I want to go down to 20. Now he's singing this. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall my enemies be, so shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of God, ungodliness made me afraid, the sorrows of shoals surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me, because this is all that he was going through as Ziklag, thinking that he had lost everything. It says the snares of death confronted me, because he don't know that his wife and kids are still alive. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. And see, that's a blessing right there to know that you can call and he hears you. To have an audience with God is priceless. To have many voices calling out to God, but he hears you. You need to sit up and think about that one day. He hears you. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heavens quaked and were shaken because you were angry. That somebody was messing with me and mine. Smoke went up from your nostrils and devouring fire from your mouth. Coals were kindled by it. You vowed the heavens also and Lord you came down. With darkness under your feet you rode upon a cherub and flew. And he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him. In other words the devil didn't see him coming. Dark waters and thick clouds of the skies from the from the heightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. So when God spoke, even the water separated. The foundation of the world were uncovered. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from above and he took me. And this is David singing. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemies and those who hated me. For you, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. But, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. And he delivered me because he delighted in me. And remember, David is strengthening himself in the Lord. He's going over the fact, Lord, you fight for me. You fought Goliath. You gave me the strength to kill the lion and the bear. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You are with me. He's singing. 47 verse 50 says. Let me see. I want to read this. 47. It says, the Lord lives. He's still singing. He's still strengthening himself. He said, the Lord lives. Blessed be the rock, my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me above those who have risen up against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of my salvation. He is the tower of salvation to his king. He shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. Remember, David is strengthening himself. Psalms 23 and 4 says in a New Living Translation, and this is David is still singing. He says, even when I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. David singing and playing magnify God to the place of strength. And courage. And so let's go back to First uh, Samuel 30 in the message translation. Once David encouraged himself, then he did something else. He said, bring me the ephod so I can consult God. And see, that ephod was the priestly garment. In other words, David was on his knees and he was praying and singing. And then he said, wait a minute, I'm a priest. I'm not a beggar. 
And he told Abiathar, the priest said, bring me, bring me the ephod. And then he put his clothes on. And that's, to me, that's the prodigal son. When he came to himself, he put his clothes on. He said, I'm a high priest. Let me, let me adorn myself as who I am so that I can approach my holy God. Bring me my ephod so that I can consult my God. And see, he knew to do what God had to tell Job. When Job was laying in that bed, whining, and listening to his friends, why me and all this. And God said, who is this? I, I always, I know it by heart. Well, no, he said, who is this that consults without knowledge? And God was telling Job, who, who are you? He said, you want to talk to me? You get up and you array yourself like a man. In other words, you get up and go take a shower. Job, you are a priest. Remember? Go get up, take a shower, put some clothes on, come talk to me, and then I'll let you know what's going on. But you don't just walk up in here any kind of way. You know, God had to tell Moses, take your feet off, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. But see, David knew. David knew. That's called relationship. David knew. He said, go get me my ephod. Go get my clothes. Because, see, this is what I've been doing is not who I am. He, that, he strengthened himself in the Lord. It's so, okay, so let me go back. So, okay. This was the priestly garment that the priest wore. Samuel also wore it. David remembered what God had to tell Job. So that, okay, so David had to inquire of his holy God. He must do so with all respect. David cleaned up, put on his priestly robe, and inquired of his holy and his righteous God. And we're talking about restoration. We're talking about recovery. David knew what God had. David knew. Okay, I said I said I already kind of got ahead of myself. David knew what God had to tell him. So what God had to tell Job, get up and get yourself together. If you want to um, get counsel on how to recover and get restoration, approach your all-wise and knowing God with the utmost respect. And see, David knew that. He knew how to give God his props. Remember, David is the only one. That God said he's a man after my own heart. And why is that? Because he spent time with him. He worshipped him. And he got to know his characteristics. It says once David prepared himself. God gave him his instructions. So uh, I'm going to read the message translation. I'm going to read that in the message. If that's where I is. In the message translation. his aunt, The Bible says. David prayed to God, shall I go after these raiders and can I catch them? And the answer came. I like that. The answer came. So remember, when you inquire your great big God, don't go to him whining and moping and on owe me. Uh, you go to God and put him in his proper place. And when you feel that you have done that, then you inquire of God. And I like this. The message says the answer came. And his break. Great big God said, go after them. Yes, you'll catch them. Yes, you'll make the rescue. Hallelujah. So you will go and you will make the rescue. Amen. The New Living Translation says, yes, go after them and you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. The New King James Version says, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, you'll recover all. Hallelujah. So without fail, go after it. Whatever the devil has stolen, go after it. And you will without fail recover all. So let's go back to first Samuel. I wanna I don't want to get ahead of my notes, so let's let's uh go back to first Samuel. You might still be there, but because we're talking about getting it back. Everything the devil has stolen. First Samuel thirty. And I'm going to start reading verse 18, and I'm going to go down to 20. It says, so David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken away from them. David recovered all. And you need to put your name in there. Darlene recovers all. Everything, all. Then David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. In other words, their livestock, all their stuff, all their loot, as some translations, they got that too. 
And when they were getting that, they were all shouting, this is David's plunder or this is David's foil. I would have been saying, hallelujah, it's all mine. And so they're there. In other words, we got the victory. We got our stuff back and theirs too. So that's why they were shouting, this is David's foil. I want to go for it. And that's okay. I just wanted to go there. Just a 20. David recovered all wives, his kids, his possessions, his livestock, because the livestock is his food. There's spoils and, and he got spoils of war and he got that sevenfold return. The Bible says that when a thief is found, he must restore sevenfold and he may have to empty out all the substance in his house. So David cleaned a clock. Amen. David and his fighting men received spoils in a, they received spoils in addition to their own personal possessions. Him, the fighting men got that. And then the men who were too tired to go into battle that stayed back and watched everything else, they even got their possessions. Then David had enough spoils to bless the priesthood. David knew how to make an offering. In other words, everything he got back, he paid his tithes and his offerings. Has the enemy stolen your spouse, children, health, possessions, finances? Well, get it back. Through your faith and trust in God, pursue, overtake without fail because you will recover all. God is a God of restoration. Amen. Proverbs 23. And this is one thing that when you're on the road to restoration, you got to be different. You got to think different. You got to act different. Because when the Bible says David had, they, the men had wept all that they could, there was no more tears. But when he strengthened himself, when he got with God, went over the past victories of every time God, David never had failure. You know, when he was with God, he never had failure. When he was taking care of his dad's sheep and they never, he, they never lost one. When he said that he was going to kill Goliath, he had victory. And so when he started going over his past victories that God gave him, when he started worshiping and, and, and got his harp out, something, the Bible don't talk about him playing at any other time other than when Saul was crazy. But when he went back to his foundation, what got me to this point? Because David had a reputation. Don't mess with him. Saul kills thousand, David kills his ten thousand. See, God made him great. God gave him a name. But see, he had to go back and retreat. What did I do to get that? You gotta change your whole mindset. And so Proverbs and this we're talking about restoration and recovery and pursuing. Because you can't go after the devil and get your stuff back if you already go into the battle defeated. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know how to use the word. If you don't know what the promises of God are, stay in your Bible until you feel like you can come out and bite a head off a nail. And when you feel like you can do that, go for it because you'll be unstoppable. So but Proverbs 23, 7, a says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So the first step in restoration process is knowing is having your soul restored and watching how you think. So that's Philippians 4, 8. So let's go there. Okay, eight and oh six. Because see, that's that's one thing about the devil. He watches us, and if he know that you don't know who you are in Christ, he will chew you up like chopped liver. You know that, like, who was that, the sons of Sceva? And they was like, Paul I know, and whoever else he knew. But he said, who is you? <laughs> and they sent them men running naked. <laughs> so, you got your sword, you better take it out and start wielding it. And I don't care what you got to do. You get a scripture, you like it. If you got it, you know how when you was in school and you couldn't think of how to spell that? And they, the teacher said, get a notebook and write that a hundred times on your notebook until you know how to spell it. Well, you better get your scripture out. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Whatever you got to do to make that word rhema, you do it. There is no right and wrong. But you got to work that word. That's why you got it. 
devil should know more word than you do. We talking about getting it all back. It's time out. It's like Amos 9.13. It's time for kids to come out of stupidity. Aunts, uncles, everybody that's living low, it's time for them to come up. It's time to come up. Okay, so uh, Philippians 4, 8. Because, see, you know, we get it first. Now it's time for our household to come up and, and get in line and measure up. I'm sorry it took so long. I even got the page number written down. But anyway, Philippians 4, 8. And we're talking about what to think on so that you can recover. And so it says, uh, the writer here says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, What's true? I'm healed. The pain in my back, I'm healed. Whatever things are noble, God loves me. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm not rejected. I'm not ugly. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, what goes over in your head, the evil report or the good report? Is there any virtue? Yeah, I don't know what to believe. Well, is any any virtue in it? Is anything about it praiseworthy? Well, don't meditate on it. Get in the Word and find something praiseworthy, noteworthy to meditate on. And that's how you get on the road to restoration. you got to change the way you think. And so I'm going to jump in, you know, last Sunday when we were leaving, because, you know, I've been, you know, thinking about restoration and and uh, when we got ready to leave, Miss Charlie said, hey, Tiger Woods won. And I was like, I don't know what I said, but I said something about, wow, restoration. And so and I kept thinking about that. And I was like, wow, this was like major. You know, I mean, I know who Tiger is and all that. And I don't follow golf, you know. And uh, But anyway, when I started seeing the news and his kids and his mom, I was like, this is total restoration. And this man has had. Well, you know, he had a public fall and like David did. And uh, then he had four, I guess he's had four surgeries on his back. He's had knee surgeries. And then Tiger Woods said himself, it's over. I'm finished. And this was a few years back. And see, but there's something on the inside of him. See, your gift will make room for you. See, there was something that wouldn't let him stop. And somewhere along the way, I don't know if he's Buddhist. I mean, I know he's, he's practicing, but I know people have been you know, witnessing to him, like when he first fell with the wife, I know Britt Hume made a comment. He said, you're only finding forgiveness and restoration through the faith of Christianity. And see, those words, God's word don't never return void. So whether he confess them today or 20 years from now, he's heard the gospel, he will convert. But anyway, he he had to change his thinking. He went from thinking, I'm done, to I can do this. And so Tiger Woods, I, I'm just, I'm proud of him, his family. You know, he's been restored in the eyes of his children. His mom got to see his her son fall and then come back to a place of honor. And so restoration is for all of us. It's not just for Tiger Woods. It's, it's not just for David. I'm using him as, as an example because only God can do that. You know, the gifts and the, and the talents that he had, they're all from God. We're never a self-made nothing. We're a self-made fool if we don't turn our life over to Christ, you know. But, you know, I was just, I was so impressed with God. And I'm like, dang, God, you good. You care about everything, everything. And I know Tiger was probably sitting up saying, wow, I was a total failure. Then my health failed. And now I got all this. I've been restored. And so God, he's good. He. Yeah, yeah, and all the the accolades, all the other stuff, yes, all the other spoils that come with it. Amen. And so, but see, he had to change the way he thought. You know, you when to do to do those kind of things, you you gonna have to practice a little more. You know, you gonna have back surgery. You don't had some knees. I mean, like four back surgeries, some knee surgeries. Then you're going to have to cut off the TV of everybody saying what you, you're an adulterer, you're a this. Like Robert said, you're a this and you're a that. So you got to turn the TV off. you got to change your, your mental diet. you got to tell yourself, I can win, I can do this. I mean, I would love to sit up and say, what did you do? <laughs> what was you thinking about? I tell you what, he wasn't thinking about losing. And Christians, we sit up, think about losing. 
Oh, the devil. You know, how you doing? The girl, the devil. Of course, we don't get that now. You know, people in here, we be like, bit, bit somebody's head off. Somebody just took, hit my face. I'm about the devil. I'd be like, the devil what? Defeated under my feet what? Bound what? The devil what? Bound. I got his neck. It's, I'm about to break it what? And so, but you know how you go to, you do, they think they're spiritual, but you know, they, girl, the devil visit. Okay, so let's go to Joel too. We're talking about restoration. We're talking about recovery. Because God is a restorer. You know, there's a, um, I know it's a William McDowell song. And it's the, that, that song of intercession. And, uh, it's the, the one black gentleman with the glasses and he's singing. He said, I want to be the one to say, introducing Jesus. You know, that's on that part. And it's so funny because it's like every time I come up here, it's like I hear that. And I said, okay, I'm introducing Jesus again. Another part. You know, he was a, he's faithful. You know, we, we did a God of mercy. And so now we're talking about his restoration plan. So, hey, I just feel like I ain't going to sing it, but introducing Jesus, we're showing you another part. He's a giver. He's a restorer. He's not a taker. He is a restorer. He is not a taker. So anyway, Joel 2. Joel, mm-hmm. to and I'm going to read verse I'm going to read it in the New Living I have a New Living Bible and the words are really small on that too so I use my phone I'm going to read verse 25 and 27 and the Lord says I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent that great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want. And you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. And then I'm going to go on. Yeah, 27. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel, and I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. Or some translation says, never again will my people be ashamed. Locusts consume the entire fields of vegetation and fruit. When there is a swarm of locusts, and when they leave, there is nothing left behind. And that's what the enemy likes to do with us. He likes to strip us down. He likes to strip us physically, mentally, materially. When a swarm of locusts is coming, it looks like a dust cloud. And they devour everything and they leave nothing behind. However, God will restore it all to us to the full. No more lack of any. And that's Amos 9.13. This is our Amos 9.13 lifestyle. Whatever the locust, the swarming locust, the consuming locust, when your mind is consumed with thoughts of fear and doubt and defeat, the stripping locust, when they want to come and strip everything that you have, your dignity, your home, your children, your marriage, he said, I'm a God of restoration. I'm going to give it all back. You're going to have it to the full. You'll never be ashamed. That shame you felt when you're, did I see your daughter doing this? Did I see your husband with somebody? You know, that shame, all that the enemy likes to do to make you feel like you're this little. He said, no, I'm going to give all that back to you because I'm a God of restoration. Where you had shame, I'm going to give you double. The folks that talked about you will be the ones that will come to you and ask for prayer because they'll say, how did you hold your head up high, you know, when you went through this or when you went through that? How did you do it? And that's when you could say, I didn't do it, but I cast my care on my great big God. Can I tell you about him? And he told me that he was the lifter of my head and that I had no reason to feel shame. That's who I serve. And this is Joel, too. He said, uh-uh, you're going to get it all back. And, it's, and I'm going to give you years back, years back. No more shame that comes from not having enough or being in debt. Because when you have debt, I don't care what the debt is, shame comes with it. Isaiah 61, 7 and 8, I want to read that to you. 
Isaiah 61. And we're talking about the God of restoration. Isaiah 61, verse 7 and 8 says, But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you, is this what I want to read? 7 and 8, okay. 7, it says, Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. You know, the devil can hit you so hard, you're like, what the heck? What, who am I? What the heck? One day my life was like this and now it's like that. What the heck? And he said, where you had confusion, I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to give you honor. They saw your car rolling down the street, hooked up to a tow truck. (laughs) But I bless you with something better. You know, that was the one thing I would, my little Mary Kay women, I love them. But, you know, if some of them women were honest, they say, you know, my sales dropped. I looked out the window and they rolled my pink Cadillac down the street. Can you imagine? That's why a lot of those, well, this is like a sidebar. I know y'all don't care, but some of them, just so y'all know, some of them, when they win they first Cadillac, you got the option to buy them. They buy them. And that way they keep them. <laughs> oh, Lord. But anyway. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the devil, the devil. Everlasting joy shall be yours. Because, see, when you're in shame and when the devil does chewing locusts and chewed up stuff and stripped you of stuff and consumed your mind, you don't have no joy. You don't have no peace. And you feel like you don't have dignity, and that's all coming from the enemy. But anyway, the Lord says, therefore in their land they shall possess the devil, and everlasting joy shall be, shall be there. For I am the Lord, and I love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth, and I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Amen. And this everlasting covenant, and when the Lord says, I hate robbery, <laughs> I wasn't going to use this example, but I won't say who, but I'm going to use it anyway. When he said, I, I, I'm a God of justice and I hate robbery. So there's somebody I know had their car repossessed twice, twice, and got it back every time. And then went on to pay it off and get something better. And that would blow my mind. But see, God say, hey, they in covenant with me. I don't like robbery. I don't care. See, sometimes we think God does everything just so perfect. I mean, twice repossessed. Then went on to pay it off and then got something better. So that when they got something better, they mean they still had credit. <laughs> he said, I'm a, I'm a God of justice. I don't like robbery. You paid too much for that car in the beginning. And then uh, one time they took it, they broke the window. And then, uh, but they had to pay for it. Because, see, they didn't think the car was going to get back possessed by the owner. So then they just sent them to the auction, you know, dented up and with no window. It's like, nope, I'm here. Give him a car, fix my window. I mean, I was, hey, that's God. You can't put him in a box. If he mean for you to have it, you're going to have it. It don't always be pretty. But if if he made a covenant with you, if you got the faith, he is with you. What did Swiss Wigglesworth say? He'll jump over a thousand people to get to you if you got faith. Amen. So we know about Job. Job 42. So where did my phone go? We'll do Job 42. How am I on time? Because I'm like running my mouth and running my mouth. Oh, okay, okay. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I just got encouraged when I start talking about restoration. I mean, it's, it's one thing to know that you want it, but when you know God wants it more than you want it, it's just a whole nother ball game. Job 42:10. We know the story of Job. He lost it all, and then God got, you know, then he was accusing God. And so he had his counsel with God and he got his head back together. God reminded him, hey, you are a priest. Get up, act like it. 
wash up, take a shower, get your priestly garb on, go pray for your friends and get working for me and get doing everything I called you to do. So Job uh, 42 verse 10 says, when, God, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord, rest- I like the New Living Translation because it said the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former former friends came. See, where he had shame, now he has double honor. They came and feasted with him in his home, and they consoled him and comforted him because of the trials the Lord had come against him, but really the Lord allowed these things. And it says, and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So anyway, they came with an offering because he was a priest. It says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than the beginning. And so that was Job's, and that was an example of Job. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and former friends came and feasted in his house. Okay, all I had written down, I well, I wrote it down. Anyway, it says, we serve a God of restoration. God always has a seat of honor for us to sit in. God wants to restore us in every place where the enemy has tried to steal or break us down. Even in healings, Jeremiah 30 and 17, the Lord says, I will restore health unto you and heal you of all your destructions. That's restoration in our health. I mean, we could be here all day talking about how God wants to restore us. Nahum 1 and 9 that's a, that's a scripture on restoration. He said, I'll make an utter end. I don't care what it is. I'll make an end of strife in your home, divorce. I'll make an end of sickness in your body. I'll make an utter end of it. That affliction shall never rise up a second time. Why? Because I said it, and I'm not a man that I'd lie. My word has been released. It can't return void. If you've been healed of cancer 10 years ago, in the next 20 years you healed, the next 30 years you are healed, because I'll make an utter end of it. I'm a God of restoration. You'll go back, they'll look at your body, and they'll say, you don't even look like you were ever afflicted. Why? Because Jesus, my healer, my great physician, he made me whole. He restored me. Amen? With your family. Oh, yeah, this is good. Okay, let's go to Jeremiah. This is good. But Jeremiah 31, I mean, I get all excited when I start talking about restoration because this, you know, we pray for it. But when you see that, wow, God, you want this more than I do. And then when you get your take your religious mind off and you think, God, you restored David and he did all this, this, this and this. And then and then the Holy Spirit said, yeah, and you did all this, this, this and this. And I want to restore you, too. <laughs> so, I mean, God is good. But anyway, Jeremiah 31, you know, Jeremiah is a book of restoration. But we'll just pull out a few things. Just want you to leave encouraged today, knowing that you serve a God of restoration. I don't care what it looked like. Okay, Jeremiah 31, I'm going to read verse 3 and 4. And it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And therefore, you need to put your name in that. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt. So every way the enemy has torn you down, God is going to build and rebuild He's going to fortify you. He's going to make you a force to be reckoned with. Amen. And then, uh, okay, Jeremiah 30. I'm going to read that from the new. We just go backwards, but I'm going to do Jeremiah 30 because I want to read it from the New Living Translation. Jeremiah is a good book. It's a book of restoration. If you get to read and you're like, oh, Lord, go get your translation. It's easy to read. (laughs) okay jeremiah okay there she is jeremiah 30 and i'm just going to do 10 and 11 jeremiah 30 10 and 11 the prophet says so do not be afraid jacob my servant do not do not be dismayed israel says the lord I will bring you home again from your distant lands. You know how sometimes you can go through stuff and you say, I don't know where I am. This just not me. It says, and your children will return from their exile. Your children will come out of temporary insanity. Israel will return to a life of peace and quiet, and no one will terrorize them. 
And 11a says, for I am with you and I will save you, says the Lord. And, you know, I, um, let me see, is that the, that's Jeremiah, what do we just, Jeremiah 30. Okay, so the Lord is saying that I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to rebuild you. Don't be dismayed. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to rebuild your, I'm going to restore your children. From that land of exile when the devil has come in and gave them temporary insanity like the prodigal son. So he brought that boy back from exile. He was imprisoned in his mind listening to the devil and his friends that didn't have nothing for him. Jeremiah 31, kind of going back and forth. 16 and 17. Thus says the Lord, reframe your voice from weeping. And your eyes from tears. Now we're talking about restoration of family. So that's what we've been doing in Jeremiah. It says, reframe your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For your work will be rewarded, says the Lord. See, them times when you preached and prayed and gave your kids instruction, the Lord says, it will be rewarded. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own borders. And so I have this highlighted. It was when the ministry first started, I had a prayer partner and she uh, heard or she she still has a daughter. Her daughter, when she was younger, was with the wrong group. And every now and then she'd run away from home and, you know, not know where she was. And, you know, I was getting to know my Bible and reading my word. And I found this scripture and I called her and I said, hey, you need to meditate on this. I said, I think the Lord is letting you know your daughter's going to come home and she's going to stay home and she's going to serve God. And when we started praying this scripture, her daughter never ran away again. And see, that's back to that, you know, the joy of your salvation when you just got that raw faith. When you see something in the Bible, it's like, yes, let's jump on it and see that 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 that's still in us. You know, when you see something and you just got that raw faith, no, this is what's going to happen, and I'm not going to accept anything but the word coming to pass. See, that's the joy, your salvation being restored. And so I love Jeremiah 31. So when you see your kids doing something stupid, it's temporary. He said your works will be rewarded. That time you preach, pray, lay hands on them, cast the devil out of them, and they looked at you crazy like you nuts. (laughs) Like Daniel told me one time, he said, you just brutal. I knew I said I wasn't going to tell nobody. He said, you just. (laughs) Brutal. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, but Daniel, I'm going to tell you stuff that nobody else will tell you. I said, because, see, I'd rather have you mad at me than God. I said, because you'll get over it. I said, so, you know, the choice has been made. God will always win, hands down. So if I'm a brutal mom, I'm just, it hurt my feelings because he said, you just brutal. (laughs) Hey, I'm brutal. I got a star on my, on my shoulder. I'm brutal. And so, but anyway, but you know, our works will be rewarded. God is going to restore our families. Amen. Amen. So I, uh, I had one more scripture. I had two scriptures. Actually, I didn't know if I was going to save one for the offering or I'll save it for the offering. So I'll do the last one, Jeremiah 29, and then we'll be done. That other one I was going to do, I'll save it for when I have to do the offering because it's, it's nice. So Jeremiah 29. I said I was going to read it from my phone. Okay, 29, verse 11. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I'm going to go down to 14. And so the prophet Jeremiah was saying, and this is God talking to all of us. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, and you can put your name in there, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. God don't have no disaster plan for us because he's a God of restoration. He said to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I'll listen. And I was saying again, that you, you, we skip over that, but that's an honor for him to hear us when we pray. It's an honor. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I'll be, fine. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, whatever your captivity, sickness, rebellion, divorce, whatever, repossession, I'll restore your fortunes. 
I'll restore your fortunes and I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I will bring you home again to your own land. And why? Because he's a God of restoration. So look for it. Look for it. So whatever you feel like the chewing locust, the stripping locust, the caterpillar, whatever you feel like they done chewed up, stripped, write that stuff down and say, Lord, I'm coming for it. And find you a scripture that backs it up. Do like David did. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Some translations said he strengthened himself. And then when he told Aviartha, the priest, he said, go get that ephod. He stayed down there till he remembered, I'm a priest. Dang nabbit. <laughs> he said, go get my priestly garb. And he cleaned up, put his ephod on. Looked like the man... Of the high priest that he was with his fruit and pomegranates and bales and all that stuff hanging. Then he went and inquired of the Lord. He said, I'm, I'm here, Father. What are my instructions? And God said, go get it back. It's yours. Got your name on it. Get it back. Get your spoils. Give your tithe. I'm giving you back your honor. And then when you read in Zik, uh, uh, chapter 30 and you go over to the next uh, chapter, that next chapter is actually when Saul and Jonathan and all his armor bearer were actually killed. So right after this, David assumes the throne. He was anointed king years prior. But right after this, he actually got the, got the, uh, the throne. Thank you. The title, the throne, the public honor. See, God anointed him privately, but then he got the public honor. But what did he do? He, and he had been messing up. But he came to, he strengthened himself. He came to himself. He got it back. God is a God of restoration. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. That's all I got. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just, we honor you. We worship you. We thank you that you're a God of restoration. Lord, you are a God of justice. You hate robbery. I thank you, Lord, that you always give us back what the enemy has stolen, and you always give it back with honor. Lord, where we've had shame, you give us double honor. Lord, I thank you where we've been discouraged, you are our encourager. Where we've had fear and panic, Lord, you are our peace. So, Lord, we embrace all these things that you died to give us, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that we can put on their robe of righteousness. We just honor you, Lord. We bless you and we lift you up. And, Lord, I just ask you to encourage your people. Reveal yourself to them in the way that they need it the most. And Satan, I break your power. I command you to restore back sevenfold all that you've stolen from the people of God. You must release it. You must let it go. And you must empty out your storehouse. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If anybody needs prayer, I can agree with you in prayer for anything. If not, we'll keep the ship rolling. But, okay. Thank you.